Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, let me tell you something. My buffs won yesterday and OU won. How's that? Randy, I'm going to leave out your Texas uh, Longhorns. <laughs> well, it's good to have everybody here this morning. Thank you for coming. I'm going to turn it over. Randy's got some announcements to make, and I got a couple myself. And then, uh, huh? The Texas barely won yesterday. Uh, hey, like I told him before, if I knew he was going to talk like that, I wouldn't have voted for him. So just keep that in mind. There'll be an election coming up in about three years. <laughs> okay, we do have several announcements today. One is we have this insert in your bulletin. Check it out. And we also have the prayer list in, the, in your bulletin. And on the back of your bulletin is all the opportunities that we have for ministries. So um, check those out. And as we grow, we're going to need more and more volunteers for everything. So keep all that in mind. Now, I'm going to give you some of the announcements out of the bulletin today because we hadn't really been talking about it for a while. All right. For the youth, on Wednesday night, the doors open at 530, and we feed the youth every night, every Wednesday night. So if you want to get involved in either helping with the youth or feeding the youth, either one, uh, get hold of either Sister Kim or Brother Gary because they're in charge of those two programs. Uh, the youth is at 7 o'clock. September 16th at 8.30 in the Fellowship Hall, men's breakfast. We've been having a good group, and we've been having good food. And so either you're missing good fellowship or you're missing good food. And either one, why would you want to? So just come on out and be part of it. Uh, October 7th in the Fellowship Hall at 8.30 is our another Bible study. We've been having a really good Bible study, guys. Y'all come on out. We're talking uh, this coming Bible study will be in, in John and discussing some of the things that's in there. And, of course, the further we get through the New Testament and the closer we get to Revelations, which everybody's always wanting to know more about Revelations, in which case, instead of me doing it, we we'll get Marcus to do it. <laughs> no, just come on out. I mean, we have a good time, and we, we value everybody's opinion and your thoughts and ideas because... Nobody in here, I don't care who you are, nobody in here is the smartest guy in the room. Somebody's got something that you don't have, so just keep that in mind. Um, okay, some of the regular announcements, too. Also, Heart to Heart, September 19th at 6. Leanne Hart will be singing with special guest uh, Hattie Lou Brooks. Uh, September 30th. Is that right, 30th? We talked about the wrong date. Just afraid. September 30th? Okay. The, the, date, the date on the bulletin was wrong. I mean, on the board was wrong, right? Oh, the place was? Catfish Corner. Okay, all right. Um, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer for those wanting to be baptized, and that will be tonight? No. Be October 1st. Uh, first Sunday in October. And also remember, we have, we have a uh, communion the first Sunday of every month now, too. So keep that in mind. Um, we still need to get your background sheets in if you want to work with the youth in any way, shape, or form. Be sure and get those back. And I don't know how many we have, but I know that we like to have, I mean, we like to have an abundance of them, so we'll have people to cover when someone's gone. So fill that out and bring it back. Um, okay, we have September 17th, September 27th, and October 15th. We have different missionaries coming. And I don't know anything about them other than the fact that they are missionaries. And, you know, we support a lot of people, 
And I think it's great that Pastor Marcus is getting them to come here so we can see who they are and what they're doing and actually meet who we're out there supporting instead of just throwing money out there and not, not knowing where it's going. So there's three of them coming up, and there'll be more on them every time that one's, every time one's close, we'll, we'll have another announcement on it. Uh, September 23rd, youth trip to the clubhouse. You're leaving the church at 6.30 and coming back at 10. Bring money for Brahms. If you need a sponsor, I go to Brahms. I eat ice cream. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, safety training for the church is sign up in the foyer on the 23rd. We're getting quite a list, and uh, we're thankful for that. We have a lot of ladies signing up. And let me throw something in with that safety training part two. On October the 21st, we're going to have a shoot for the ladies. Okay. We're going to eat breakfast here, and we're going to go out to Gary Cook's place, and we're going to let you shoot. Now, we don't know what you can do and what you can't do, so we're going to be have five or six or seven guys out there to help you with your guns to help you get them loaded, to help you get them pointed down range. And if you're not able to sight it, we'll help you learn how to sight your gun. It's just some some information and some training for all of you ladies that are carrying guns and have not had anybody to tell you much about it. The only thing that you really need is you're gonna need a box of ammo. You don't have to shoot a box of ammo, but we don't know what kind of gun you have, so we can't buy ammo for you. You need one box of ammo, or if you wanna shoot one bullet, bring one bullet, we don't care. Uh, <laughs> Who, who, was that to, who was that with one bullet in the Andy Griffith show? He, yeah, Barney. He had one bullet. If you want to bring one bullet, bring one bullet. <laughs> I mean, um, we can get earplugs. You can buy a box of some little cheap foam rubber earplugs for nearly nothing. So we'll have earplugs, but you will need some ammo for your gun, however much you want to shoot. Um, don't forget trunk or treat coming up. You can sign up for that. And... <laughs> All right, we got somebody excited about it. <laughs> all the kids. Now that that's community wide. That's not just for for the kids here in church. If if you see people out in the community, tell them, hey, we're having trunk or treat. Come visit. Come see us. We like to we like to serve you and have a good time with you in fellowship. And if you're not going to church anywhere, we will invite you to come to church here, without a doubt. Okay, um, that's really all I have. What Pastor Marcus has is what's next. Just a couple things to for the for the baptismal service. We have a lot that are signing up for that. Praise the Lord! That's great, and that will be that Sunday morning. I'm going to teach on baptism, and we're going to do the service right here. So right after I get done teaching, so those that and here just a little thing. If you, if you're uh, getting baptized, ladies, please wear some shorts and a shirt over your bathing suit. Well, you know, you guys pretty much know things. We'll make sure that we have. If anybody wants to donate a couple of shorts and shirts that we can have extras on hand and some towels. But I think that's a blessing to teach on baptism. We need to know what baptism is all about and why we get baptized. Baptism is just an outward expression of an inward change, and you're telling people about that. The second thing, my, my friend Bobby Zygmunt that's going to be here teaching on the safety meeting. I want to take up a love offering at the end of that. So if you come to that, would you please bring some money for a love offering? He's taking out of his time to drive down here. In fact, he's actually working that, I think, that night and coming and driving that morning. So, again, he's a Tulsa police officer. Excited to have him here. And then uh, this was just called this week. 
a good friend of mine on Wednesday night, the 27th. His name is Timothy Grove. He called me and said, hey, I'm going to be in Oklahoma City. Do you have a Wednesday cause, uh, open? Because a friend of mine, uh, he, he had to cancel. So if you're able to make it for that Wednesday night to hear my friend Timothy speak, he's a great speaker. He's from Maine. I've had him in all my churches that I've been a part of. He's a, he's a wonderful guy, and, and got, people get healed in his services. So if you're interested in coming that Wednesday night, the 27th, it would be great. That was kind of a short uh, uh, notice thing. And then, again, next Sunday is uh, uh, Chris Hale. He's uh, They're planning a church in Liverpool, England. He will be here next Sunday. I'm excited about that service. All right, so uh, I'd like to turn it back over to Randy, and he's going to take up tithes and offerings, and then we're going to get ready for worship. Okay, I would, I would want to throw out there to you, for those of you that want to sign up for the safety meeting, um, keep in mind that this is a four-hour meeting. If you don't want to come to a four-hour meeting, don't sign up. But there's a lot of stuff that's going to be taught, safety in the church, safety with the guns, uh, ways to improve safety here at the church, and stuff like that. And it's it's our church, so we need, we need to be the ones that are aware of what's going on and how to do it. Okay, guys, come on. Let's take the offering. Any women that are going with us to the uh, daughters conference this coming weekend, we're going to leave the church at 1130. Um, depending on how many we have, we'll either take the church van or I'll take my car. Uh, we have room for more to go if you want to. It's just that you're, if you're 65 or above, it's $30. If not, it is $80. So if you decide last minute you want to go, just get in contact with me, and we will make sure that we have a room for you. Thank you. Okay, one reason we'd like to hand a mic out is because if, if somebody's talking back out in the audience, nobody can hear especially on the live stream. It's just dead airspace on the live stream. We have crowd mics, and they pick up fairly good, but not great. So if you got something to say, just holler, and we will hand you the mic because that will let everybody uh, on the live stream and everybody in the sanctuary know what you're talking about. Okay. David, would you like to pray for us, please? Offerings to you. Thank you for giving us that. And I pray that this money will be dispersed and spread out like the fishes and loaves did. And uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Amen. Amen. Y'all stand up and get ready to sing. Thank you. He's a little bossy this morning. We like it, though. And I'm going to need some help, so I'm going to depend on all of y'all. Father, we just thank you this morning for the opportunity to come into your house, into your presence, Father. Father, we ask this morning that you would just move in this sanctuary, God. Have your way in the hearts and lives of everyone that's here and everyone that is represented through your people that are in your building, God. We thank you in Jesus' name for what you're going to do. Amen. The storm's getting ready to roll. Yes. I feel a faith that is starting to rise. And I see the world on the edge of revival. I think it's only a matter of 
to do what only you can do. Move what only you can move. Even the impossible is possible for you. technology sometimes and sometimes it just doesn't want to work for you so do the best you can in worshiping this morning just focus on Jesus we're trying to get it worked out thank you
promise still stands regardless of how long you may have been struggling with an issue his promise still stands his promise is yes and amen to those who believe father this morning we just release all of those situations God that look hopeless God and we stand on your faithfulness God we stand on your promises Lord that your plans are good God Father, we believe that you have never failed, God, and there's no reason to change now. Father, we ask that you would just move through every heart and life here this morning, God. Give them a new revelation of your promises, God, a new revelation of your faithfulness and the hope that we have in your name, Jesus. Father, bring it back to our minds, God. In Jesus' holy name. to that tug on your heart. Father, we just want your presence. Father, draw us closer. Help us to clear our thoughts and our minds, God, and to slow our hearts down to your pace, God. When all I 
Father, we thank you this morning for your words are true. Lord, Father, you say in your word in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. 
For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Father, we thank you that your promises are yes and amen in Lord Jesus. So, Father, we stand on those promises that you have spoken over our families. We stand on the promises that are spoken in your word because your word is truth and it's life. And we stand on it because it's your words, not ours. Father, we, we, we stand on your word that's going to go out and perform what you said it's going to accomplish. And it will not return back to you void. So, Lord, this morning, for those that needed that word this morning, reminder that, Lord, their kids may be wayward, but like the prodigal son that came to his senses and decided it was better in my father's house, I'll just be a servant. Lord, as they begin to walk back to you, it's you that's running to them and embracing them and putting a ring on their finger. And Lord, and you're killing the fatted calf and you're having a party for them and you're loving on them this morning. So Father, we thank you for those promises that you will fulfill because you keep your promises. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Uh, give God a clap offering. I think we have a few of them. Can we give God a better clap offering than that? Thank you. You know, the enemy thinks that he has it. I mean, I, it's interesting. We had our PowerPoints up and everything for the worship, and then all of a sudden it just went poof right when the service started, and so thank you for being patient with that, and, um, and I appreciate those that work in the media center and in the sound booth trying to get all that worked out. Sometimes technology is helpful, and other times it's not, so um, I just have a really big sense, and I do this a lot, but I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. Would you open up with me to 2 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read that this morning, and we're going to go through a uh, this message this morning. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read these verses again, verses 18, and we're going to go verses 18 through 24, and then we're going to pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Actually, let's start in verse 17. Paul says, when I plan this, did I do it lightly or do I make my plans in ruling manner? So then in the same breath I say yes and yes and no and no. Verse 18, but as surely as God is faithful, let's stop there for a minute, God is faithful. Our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. 
I call God as my witness that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to corn. Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because it is by faith you stand firm. Father, you tend to take us in different directions sometimes, and that's okay. Lord, whoever needs to hear this message this morning, I pray, Father, as your faithful witness, and Lord, as your vessel, that you would speak through me, Holy Spirit. I yield myself to you. You do what you want to do. This is your church. I'm just the under-shepherd, Jesus. You're the good shepherd. I pray, Father, you would minister to hearts this morning. Open up eyes to understand and see that what you have for them is greater than what they have for themselves. And we thank you for all this. Again, I get out of the way so you can speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so we're in 2 Corinthians. Now, I've been doing a series on the book of Philippians, and we'll get to that. The good thing about series is you can interrupt them, right? Because the Bible's there. But I want to talk about God's promises today. You know, the Bible says that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy him. He is the father of lies. So God is a God that keeps his promises. God is, a, it, it, God is not a man that he should lie is what the scripture says. So if God speaks something over your life, he is going to do it. And I, I want to refer that not only to our salvation, but things in our life that he said he's going to do. How many believe that God speaks in your life? The Bible says in John chapter 10 that his sheep know his voice. You've heard me say this before. His sheep know his voice. If you're a sheep today and you belong to Jesus, you know his voice. I've shared that with you before, but I want to reiterate it. Because a lot of times we wonder, is God speaking to me? Is he saying things to me? Well, first of all, your ears have to be attuned to him. You, you may know his voice, but what's drowning out his voice in your life? Hold your spot here in 2 Corinthians. We're going to get to it. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Everybody have their swords this morning? If you don't, you can use your Bible app on your phone, right? One thing you're going to learn from me is sometimes I may not put it up on the screen, so you need to have your Bible with you. Do, do you guys still read these things? This is, our, this is why we have church. Jesus and his word, right? I'm not scolding you. I'm just reminding you. So, so Hebrews chapter 12, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. When I was going through some difficulties in the military, God used this scripture for me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Jesus, Paul says Jesus keeps his promises. Now here in Hebrews chapter 12, in the chapter before this, we call it the hall of faith. And it talks about all those that went before us, that lived for Christ. Some of them never saw the promise. In fact, it says some were sawn in two. Some were put to death for the gospel. And they didn't get to see the promise. 
But they stayed faithful to the Lord till the end. The Apostle Paul says, I have finished the race. I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. And now in heaven is kept for me a crown of righteousness. So here's this chapter 11 before this, and it's the hall of faith. And then we get into chapter 12, and it reminds us that we are surrounded by all these examples in Christ. How many of you have had a great example for you in Christ? Somebody that you could look up, that you could follow and say, man, I want to follow and be like them. I, I would suggest you find not just one, but two. I have uh, plenty of fathers in the Lord and spiritual mothers in the Lord that I follow. And, and you know, I still look to them and I still call them. And, and so two things, find a mentor and be a mentor. So he says, look, there's this cloud of witnesses that have gone before us and they kept the faith. Then he says this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That word in the Greek, throw off, literally means to cast it aside. It means to take something and throw it or cast it, get rid of it in your life. And so what can drown out Jesus' voice in our life and even the promises that he, he's made over us? to where we can't hear his voice clearly, are those things that hinder and the sin that so easily entangles. Sin is something that needs to pre be preached in, in the churches today. Uh, you know, there, I remember in the days, even as a kid in the vineyard, I didn't grow up assemblies. My wife's an assemblies of God child. She grew up in AG. I grew up in the vineyard. But even back then, we had what we called altar calls. And we would regularly come before the Lord in repentance. God, help me get right with you. Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the life everlasting. David said that. There are things that can hinder our walk with God. There are things that can entangle us in this life, in this race. Look what he says. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with patience or perseverance the race marked out for us. If you're born again this morning and Jesus is in your life and you've turned your life over, you are in a race. And it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. You know, I, I've been riding my bike. You know, in Washington State, it rains a lot when the rainy season hits, and you, you, you tend to sit around, and you eat things you're not supposed to eat, and you put on the weight. So I've been riding my bike. Well, I thought, well, I, you know, since I've been riding my bike, I can go out and run. I went out and ran a mile and a half. Oh, I felt great until the next day. <laughs> my muscles ached in places it didn't ache. My calves were tight. I thought, well, I've been riding my bike. Two different exercises. I did not build myself up. I did not build endurance. Your relationship with Jesus is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And it doesn't end until you get to heaven, until you take your last breath, or until we hear that trumpet call. Which you hear me say every Sunday, and I love the prophetic word today, there is going to be a trumpet call, and he's going to call his people home. It's in the Bible. It's going to happen. And I believe that we're that last generation. We're seeing all the signs converge to show us that we are. But he says that there are things in this race, in our walk with God, that can hinder us and trip us up. 
Notice he says hinders. It doesn't necessarily mean it can be a bad thing. It can be a good thing. There are things that can hinder us that are good things, but if they get in the way of our relationship with Jesus, they need to be cast aside. If we put things before Christ, that's an idol. We don't look at it that way, but it's an idol. And when we do that, guess what? We're idol worshipers. Anything that's more important than Jesus is an idol. Your, your kids can be an idol. Your business can be an idol. Your spouse can be an idol. Even your animals can be an idol. Or your favorite sports team can be an idol. Yeah, I'm excited about my, my team winning this last week. But that should not take the place of my relationship with Jesus. Anything can become an idol in our life. It can hinder our walk with God, and it can keep us from hearing God's voice clearly. How about sin? I don't know your sins. I know my sins, but I don't know your sins. But God knows them. God knows our very thoughts. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows what's on your heart. So we need to cast aside sin, throw it off, get rid of it. That's called repentance. Without repentance, there is no salvation. Without repentance, there's no change. Without repentance, there's no forgiveness. Repentance means to change the way you think and act. How many of you guys have heard of the 180, right? Everybody take geometry in school. I got a D in it, so I at least got this part right, okay? Some things you're good at and some things you're not. I'm good in algebra. I'm good. I don't know how that works out because there's still, anyways, don't get me going on that. But, you know, you have a 360. A circle makes a 360, right? Repentance is what we call a 180. You're going in a direction and you change your thinking and your actions and you walk in the opposite direction. When you get saved, you turn your life from the world and the things of the world to the things of Christ. That's repentance. That's what he means by casting off or getting rid of. Even if you're saved this morning, you have to repent and get rid of things in your life. I was going to talk this morning about having a heart of a servant, and we'll look at, at that next week. But a heart of a servant means you're serving others. And my wife with her knee uh, having surgery on it, and now she's bedridden, and I'm trying to, listen, men are not multitaskers. Some men are, but rarely does it happen. I, I, I watched Mythbusters a few years ago. Anybody remember Mythbusters? And they did this little thing, on, uh, and they set up this, this kitchen, and they had an ironing board, and they had a bed, and they had this little crawling baby, and, and they had all this stuff, they had a pot, uh, and they had to cook something, and they, they took these men and these, these women. They took, I think, 10 women and 10 men. And they had a certain amount of time. They had to get out of bed, get dressed, iron a thing, make sure they didn't get the baby because they would set it to where it was walking out the door. And they had to do all this stuff, and only one man out of ten was able to do all those things. Do you know how many women were able to do all those things? All ten. <laughs> Last week I picked on the men. This week I picked on them again. I'm in trouble now. But I learned something about myself this week that I haven't been a good servant. Even though I served, my attitude wasn't always great. I'm picking on myself this week. My wife would ask me, oh, man, again? 
I'm just being honest. Because servanthood means selflessness. That's a sin in my life that I need to get rid of. It's called repentance. Change your attitude. The Bible says that the, the Word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing bone and marrow and ligaments and the attitudes and behaviors of the heart. In fact, I'm going to read it here. Hebrews chapter 4. You're welcome to turn to it. We'll go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active. Let me stop there. When you read the Word of God, it's alive. It's active. Even the lights aren't. God's Word is living and active. When you read this, you're reading life. You may say, but it's boring. I'm not getting anything out of it. There will be times when you read it and you don't get nothing out of it. And then one day you're going through something and God's word pops into your mind or into your heart for just that purpose. So when God says something, we need to be obedient to it. It's not about how I feel. We live by faith, not by sight, not by our senses. Oh, It's great to feel the presence of God. But our feelings are like this. But the word of God stands forever. It will stand forever. And when everything else passes away, God's word will still remain the same. It's alive. It's active. It's, in fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, or chapter 3, verse 16, uh, he, Paul says it's, it's God-breathed, useful for correcting and training and teaching into righteousness. It's God-breathed. It's God's word. And then look at this. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Why is it sharper than any double-edged sword? Because it penetrates. Even to dividing soul and spirit. The Holy Spirit, in conjunction with the Word, begins to convict us of things. Now, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Conviction comes in and, and gets you at the heart. It cuts you at the heart and says, I need to change this area. And as you begin to change, the enemy comes in with condemnation. Look what you did. But as you're making that change and you've asked God for forgiveness, that forgiveness is there. There's a difference between guilt and conviction. So the word comes in, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is, is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. All of us are going to give an account to God one day. If you're not saved this morning, you're going to give an account to God before the great white throne judgment. If you're not saved and you take your last breath, you will go to a place called hell. Jesus preached more on hell than he did heaven. And the reason why he preached on it is he doesn't want you to go there. So if you're here this morning and you're not saved, and you haven't repented of your sins and given your life to Jesus, you're headed for hell. Oh, yeah, that's not a popular message, but it's the Bible. God's Word convicts, it condemns. But if you're a born-again believer, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to have to give an account for everything that we did for Jesus. See, what, what we do when nobody's looking... 
God sees. When we're thinking about somebody or have a bad attitude about somebody, God sees. When we look at somebody with unclean eyes, God sees. When we have an attitude and somebody makes us mad, we may not be saying it to other people, but deep down inside, how many of us have done that before? I've done that. God sees. Let me give you an example one time, just in my own life. I might have already shared this before. Sometimes I share my stories. My, my kids call it a Bill Cosby moment. If you ever watch the Bill Cosby show, his, he'd always tell his kids the same stories. I'd just gotten out of the Air Force. I was at, on staff at New Life Assembly, but on Friday nights, you know, I was a 23-year-old, and I wanted to be around other kids, so I went to a church service called Believer's Church where a lot of ORU, or Roberts University students would go. and I was going through a very difficult time in my life, struggling with some things, kind of discouraged, depressed. And I remember there being about 300 people, and I was in the back of the room. And in my heart, I said, God, I feel like you've called me to fail. I said that to the Lord in my heart. I said, I feel like you've called me to fail, and you don't care about me. Nobody heard me. This was in my heart. This tells you that everything's laid bare before God. Mark Tietzort, one of the pastors, got up. And he got up on the stage and he goes, I feel like this is for somebody today. God has not called you to fail. God has not forgotten about you and he loves you. Everything that I had said to God in my heart, and believe me, you know where I was right after that, on my knees. So if there's sin in your life, get rid of it. Cast it aside. It keeps you from hearing God's voice. It keeps you from seeing God's promises. I believe God's promises will come to pass in your life, but it can hinder your walk with God and His fulfillment of the things in your life. Let's go back to Hebrews 12. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in a minute. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 2. When we run this race that God has marked out for us, each of us are in this race with the Lord. Remember, we're not running this race alone. His sheep follow Him. The word follow means come up beside. You're following beside Him. He's with you in this race. Hallelujah. You're not running. If you ever run by yourself, it can get a little lonely. When I'm on my bike, the only time that I have something beside me is when the dogs come chasing after me. There's two houses I'm like always looking for. And then the other day they chased after me and I got to yell at them and I lose my voice. But Jesus is running this race with you. Look, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The word fix means to set your attention on, your focus. Where are your thoughts? You're in this race. Remember, his promises are yes and amen. If he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he won't forsake you. He will not abandon you. He will run with you because he keeps his promises. You run this race by getting your eyes off of your problem. You run this race by getting your eyes off of other people. You run this race by getting your eyes off of those people that really irritate you. And you fix your eyes on Jesus. And then it says he is the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith. Do you know you didn't get saved by yourself? Your salvation was a work of God. 
The Bible says no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws him. God is the one that does the work. He is the author of it. And I love one translation I mentioned it here. He's not only the author of it, but he is the finisher of it. Hallelujah. How much hope does that give you this morning that God, what he began, he will finish. In fact, hold your spot here. Go with me to Philippians 1.6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. We, we shared this a few weeks ago. He says in verse 6, Being confident of this, Philippians 1, 6, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will, can, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What a promise. What he began in you and I, he's going to finish the work. How many of all, all of us this morning are a work in progress? One of my uh, chaplains when I was in the Air Force, Chaplain Stutz, Baptist minister, such a wonderful guy, a guy that would uh, encourage you and come alongside you. Anytime you needed to talk, he would talk. But he had a picture in his office. And in that picture was a man that was chiseling. God was chiseling away. And the upper half of him was there, but the rest was still a block. Guess what? He's still doing a good work in you. He's still carrying on. He's still chipping away those rough edges on all of us. That's why God gave us kids. I love my kids. My old pastor and his wife, she said uh, one time, she said, she said, you never realize how selfish you are until you get married. <laughs> then you really find out how selfish you are when you have kids. Because I don't get any food anymore. <laughs> I'm going on a diet because my kids eat it all. I bought some Cheeto chips, which is probably not healthy, riding a bike. And I bought them the other day, and I went to go get them, and they're in my daughter's room, and they're all gone, and there's a little bit left. <laughs> Thank goodness he's still working on me and finishing the work. Go with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. I've shared these verses before, but somebody really needs to hear this this morning. If you've recently given your life back to Jesus or you have given your life, you need to realize that what he began in you, he's going to finish. You're not going to do it alone. He says in verse 3, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, mercy means that we get something we don't deserve. He gives us mercy. We deserve hell, but he doesn't give it to us. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. If you're born again this morning, you've been given a new birth. Into a living hope. Now that word hope doesn't mean a wishful hope. Well, I hope I get it. We use that in, in our terms today. Man, I hope that happens. I hope this works out for my good. It's not a wishful thinking. It's a, 
joyful expectation that what God says he will do or accomplish. It's, it, it's, it's, the, it's the hope knowing that when I die, I have eternal life. That's that assurance and expectation. Yeah, when I take my last breath, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So again, whether that trumpet blows or whether I take my last breath, I hope it's the trumpet. But if it's my last breath and I'm running from dogs on a bike, so be it. I, I'm not speaking that into existence. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. But we're, it's a living hope. That means it's not just we're waiting for it. That hope is in you now. It's a living hope. It's alive. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if the resurrection hasn't happened, then you and I are still dead in our sins. But because Jesus was raised from the dead and that life came into him and he is alive and not dead, that same resurrection life lives in every single one of us that are born again this morning. Even when we make mistakes, that resurrection life is there. Even when we're struggling for finances, that resurrection life is there. God is good, and He loves you, and He loves me. And then look at the verse 4. Into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. Hallelujah, I got a mansion in heaven that God's decorating right now. I hope I have deer heads and fish. I don't know if God does that in heaven, because I guess that represents death but anyways that would still be pretty cool have you ever thought about what it might look like but look it says it's never going to perish jesus says the things that we uh we we collect here on earth the treasures of this earth they rust and moth destroy but the things that you store up in heaven will never perish and then he says it's kept in heaven for you Put your name there. If you're born again, it's kept in heaven for you. A specific room. Remember, he says, in my Father's house are many rooms or many mansions. Then look with this. Who through faith, your faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. The shielding there, and you've heard me share it before, but I want to share it again. The idea in the original Greek is from a military garrison that follows somebody from one place to the next, from the beginning to the end. That's why God says what he begins in you, he will complete. He comes with you and goes along with you. He puts his angels around you. He fills you with the Holy Spirit. And what he begins, he will finish because he's the author and finisher of our faith. Thank goodness God's in charge of all that. Because how many times do we mess up? Quite a bit. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18. Paul is speaking to the Corinthians in his letter. And, and, and he wants to remind them that the message that they shared about Jesus is not just yes and no. It's always been yes. He says in verse 18, but as surely as God is faithful. I want you to say this. Everybody say, God is faithful. How many of us are faithless sometimes? We don't follow through with our word. We say we're going to do something, but we don't follow through. I, I've learned that with my kids. 
and I'm not picking on my kids today. My, I, it's wonderful. I love my girls. And I believe God has put them there to, to show me areas that I need to change in my life. But there have been times I said, yeah, we'll go to this place, and then I don't do it, and then I feel bad, and they remind me about it. So that's why it's good not to make oaths or promises, right? Especially with your kids, because they will remind you. Now, I understand life is, has a lot of hiccups, and things interfere with our life, and some things are inconveniences, and sometimes we can't fulfill those promises. But God always fulfills His promises, as surely as God is faithful. If there's anything that you get this morning, it's this. God is faithful to you. God is faithful to your kids that you've been praying for. He will see that God reaches them. So, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you, by me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him has always been yes. And Paul says that because Paul suffered for Christ. If it was yes and no, he wouldn't have suffered for Christ. He wouldn't have given his life for him. But Paul knew it was yes, and you and I need to know that God's promises are yes. We need to know that the message that Jesus has given us is yes. The salvation that he's given us is yes. The things that he says in his word is yes because he is faithful and he keeps his promises. So when you are like Job and you're going through difficulties, don't do what his wife said, curse God and die. But be like Job and say, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to give you praise. God, I don't get it, but you're going to be with me. Begin to quote God's word over your life. Begin to speak it over your life. There is, again, power in the word of God. Then he goes on, look at this, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Do you know what the word amen means in the original Greek? So be it. So if God says so be it, it is done. No questions asked. Remember this saying? If God says it, I believe it, that's what? It settles it. You've heard me share with you, but again, Billy Graham, the reason why he always said the Bible says so, that it rested on God and not himself. If you're listening to this this morning, this is God's word. Not mine, not yours, but his. So when he says his promises are yes and amen, they are yes and amen. Verse 21. Now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. The word stand firm means a solid rock that can't be moved. To stand solid. To not be moved or pushed aside. In fact, hold your spot here and go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Go eat potato chips. That's how I, 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 I've shared that with you. If you have a problem with finding out where that's at. Remember Galatians, eat, Ephesians. But look with me in chapter 6 here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to do what? Stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Then he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in, in, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So he says, Christ helps us to stand firm. How do you stand firm? Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. If you're standing in your own strength, you won't stand. But if you're depending on God for you, for the strength that you need to get through what you're going through, you will have strength to stand. That word stand means to resist, to fight, to push against. When I wrestled in high school, we used to have a thing called king of the mat. I only weighed 119 pounds. And king of the mat meant that you had to wrestle all the weight groups. We had a 305-pound uh, heavyweight wrestler, Samoan. You're 119 pounds and a guy that weighs over 200 pounds more than you. You're just thinking about what could happen. And I remember wrestling this guy. Amen. It's hard to stand firm when you have 300 pounds on top of you. I tackled him by the ankles, and I learned real quick, don't tackle him by the ankles because that thing will come down. <laughs> and it was hard to get back up. I had to learn ways of beating him, and the way that you beat the enemy is through the power of God, standing on the Word of God, praying, Asking God for strength. You can stand when you submit yourselves to God, as James says. James says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves to God, then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It starts with submitting to God, coming to God. Because again, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, is what the scripture says. So your fight is against principalities. And you can't defeat them with flesh and blood. You have to defeat them through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, through prayer, all the things that God has given you, those weapons that he talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For the weapons that he has given us have divine power to demolish strongholds. And every pretension and imagination that the enemy sets up against Christ, you take those thoughts captive. You put on your armor. You get into the Word of God. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 21. Now it is God who makes us if you stand firm in Christ, he anointed us 
I want you to know something this morning, church. If you're born again this morning, God has anointed you. Well, pastor, I'm not a preacher, so you're anointed. But pastor, I don't have these other giftings. No, you have giftings God's given you. I've shared with you before, I, don't, I can't measure really well. I don't even know how I got through wood shop and metal shop. It was by the grace of God, but everybody's got different giftings. I can't play the guitar. I can't do construction. Everybody's got giftings. You were anointed because of Christ. And how did he anoint us? He says he has anointed us. He has set his seal of ownership on us and put his Holy Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So if you're born again this morning, you are anointed because God has placed his Holy Spirit inside of you and put his ownership on you. That's why his promises are yes and amen. He owns you. I'd rather be owned by Jesus than owned by the devil. I, I'm not, I got to do this because I've gained weight over the years. But, but in those days, they would have what they call the signet ring. You've heard me share this before, but I'm going to share it again. Now on here, I got little diamonds, but back then, they would have, in fact, they found Hezekiah's uh, signet ring just recently, his stamp. And they would have initials, or they would have writing on there in Hebrew. Or Pontius Pilate, they found Pontius Pilate's recently. And they'd take a document and roll it up, and they would put hot wax, and they would seal that. And it would have those initials on it. And it wasn't allowed to be opened by anybody but the owner. Did you hear that? It wasn't allowed to be opened up by anybody but the owner. Are you getting that this morning? He has put his Holy Spirit on you. He has waxed and put his initials on you. This says JC, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. He has put his spirit in you if you're born again this morning. He has anointed you. He has put ownership. And literally that means that document was owned by the owner. You are owned by Jesus Christ. He is anointed. He is your Savior. He's your Lord. He's your author. And he's your finisher. And he's going to guarantee what is to come. What a promise from the Lord. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says this again to the church of Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Paul says, and you were... Included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Paul says it again right here. When were we sealed? When we heard the truth, when we heard the gospel, and when we believed. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. I, I have this in, on my card. I, I put the ABCs of salvation on my business card. And as I witness to people, I, I, I'm not, if they come to church, that's great. But I'm more concerned, are they going to get into the heaven, into the kingdom of heaven? 
And so on there, that scripture, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be what? Saved. So when were we included in Christ? When did he seal us? When we believed. A month before I turned eight. Remember, I've shared this story with you, that when I got saved. I remember right after I got saved, Back in the 80s, they had pictures of Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. I had this little picture. And there was a Korean lady that lived in the apartments next to our house, and I went and I shared the gospel with her right after I got saved. That day, Jesus sealed me with his Holy Spirit. That day, he put his mark on me. That day, he said, you're mine. The day that you got saved, those songs this morning, Lord, uh, take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore in me to the joy of my salvation. Go back to that time when you gave your life to Jesus. Remember what he did. If you're here this morning and you say, well, I've never done that, today's a new beginning. Today he can mark you, he can seal you. He can write your name in the Lamb's book of life and give you salvation. What a promise. Verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. I love that. That's the first installment. I can't wait to see what the second installment is. Those are exciting times and they're coming quick. We're living in a time where the Bible is coming to life. I mean, it's alive anyway. We've talked about it. But prophecy is coming to life, guys. Men will be lovers of themselves and boastful and proud and arrogant. Violence will increase wickedly. And he's talking about the whole earth. It'll be like in the days of Lot, which was Sodom and Gomorrah, which is homosexuality, will be on the rise. People will forget who they are. You heard me preach a few weeks ago about apostasy that's going to take place. People that once served the Lord that walk away from him in high positions were there. And so how close are we to seeing the second deposit, the second installment? And then he says this, who is deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Have you ever possessed something, owned something? I remember listening to Dr. James Dobbin. I'm going to use this with my, my girls because, you know, i got three daughters. So when they date somebody, I'm going to use this. But I was listening to Dr. James Dobson one time, and he talked about uh, the guy that was on there uh, that was uh, visiting. He was talking about how when his daughter got to the age of uh, dating, that uh, he had a little study, and the young man came in with a really nice hot rod out in the driveway. And he comes in and he goes, young man, would you please see me in my study? I mean, that would be a scary moment. <laughs> so the young man goes into the study, and this dad begins to question the boy. He goes, man, that's a really nice car you got out there. Do you like it? Oh, yeah, I love that car. Do you own it? Oh, yeah, I own it. And they begin to talk about how beautiful it was and the nice interior, the engine. And finally the dad goes, well, what would you do if somebody got a scratch on that car? Oh, man, I'd hurt them. And he goes, well, let me tell you, my hot rod's getting ready to come down the steps in a minute. <laughs> and if she's not home by, noon, by midnight... His daughter was upset because he brought her home an hour earlier. 
That daughter was his possession. That's how God views us. We're his possession. He cares for us. He loves us. Sometimes we get this idea that God is up there ready to hit me over the head. Listen, there is, there is God does deal with us with conviction. And there is judgment from God. But the Bible also says God is slow to anger and abounding in love. We often look at God being quick to anger. We're quick to anger. But God's not. He's patient with us. Not wanting anyone to perish. He loves us. Listen, Paul talks more about love than he does almost anything. God is love. And he loves us. It's his love that changes us. Yes, I know that we can love people in the hell, but listen, we can love people in the heaven too. God is love. And we're to love like God. So when he says that you are his possession, that means you're his possession. You're important to him. You're like that kid's hot rod, but even greater. You're like that father's daughter, but even better. Think of how much you love your kids, and God loves you even more. I, I, I almost said better. That almost wasn't grammatically correct there. So, When you have kids, your grammar goes weird. Have you ever noticed that? You do the... You, I, 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 I got to tell this one time. I know I, I get to giggle and laugh. But one time I was at, the, I was at a, a men's breakfast conference, and... And uh, the guy said, uh, you know, I had to use the restroom. And I said, I got to go potty. And all the men looked at me weird. Well, because <laughs> well, you got kids. <laughs> so you can imagine what that did for me. But anyways, I'm sure they understood because they had kids too. But listen, I, I want you to get this. He ends with we, those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Notice God gets the glory for it. God gets the glory for your salvation. You didn't do anything for it. You couldn't earn it. You're not good enough to get it. It was something Jesus did. He did the work. Last scripture, go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. me in verse 4. Let's start in verse 11. Hebrews chapter 10. Before I read this, we don't know who the author of Hebrews is. There's a lot of debate. Some believe it was Apollos. Some believe it was the Apostle Paul. The writing fits the Apostle Paul, but regardless, it's in the Word of God. And he's describing the priests in the Old Testament and how they had to make sacrifices and spread the blood on the mercy seat of the altar once a year and to atone for the sin. Now understand this, in the Old Testament, our sin, their, their sins were only covered. They weren't removed. In the new covenant under Jesus, they're not just covered over. They're removed. See, in the Old Testament, they would take their hands and transfer it to the animal. But again, their consciences weren't cleared of their sin. In the New Testament, God clears our conscience. 
He says in verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. And again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Let me, let me share something with you. Being good won't take away your sin. I had a conversation with somebody just recently, and they said, well, I'm a good person, so it's hard for me to believe that God's going to not let me into heaven. Listen, good people go to hell. You can be good all you want, but the Bible says our righteousness is but filthy rags. That means your good works aren't good enough. So it never took away their sins, verse 12. But when the priest, the priest, this priest, talking about Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Let me stop there. When Jesus said it is finished, when, when, when he took your sin and my sin, and when he ascended to heaven, guess what? When he sat down, the, to, to sit down in heaven means his work is done. It's accomplished. Nothing else has to be done. Hallelujah. He did it all. He did the work. And look at this, verse 13. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The minute you got saved, he perfected you in your spirit. We call that imputed righteousness. You've heard me preach on it before. That means you weren't righteous, but Jesus was. When you got saved, he took his righteousness and put it on you and washed you and cleansed you. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin anymore. He sees the righteousness of his son. That gives me goosebumps when I think about that. So by one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever. Look at this, those who are being made holy. So listen, we're holy and we're made perfect on the inside, but he's still perfecting us on our thoughts, our mind, emotion, and wills, and this flesh, and whatever you feed the most will be the strongest. Then verse 15, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where the, these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sins. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. That when you gave your life to Jesus, he washed you, he cleansed you. He's going to fulfill his promises for your life. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11, what he's going to do in your life, what he's promised over your life. I believe in the prophetic. God has spoken things over my life that haven't come to pass. Back in 2003, and I'll make this quick because time's almost, but back in 2003, my mom and I were praying. I was a bivocational pastor. I'd, I'd been out of the Air Force for three years. I had ran heavy equipment for Tulsa County. We were praying together, and I saw for her a, uh, this rose with these thorns, and God was going to remove him. And my, and my mom saw for me this, this is just for me speaking, where God will fulfill promises. 
He says, I, I, I saw you when you start your ministry, it's going to be like a lighthouse to a dark and barren land, and people are going to come to see the light of Jesus. This is not about me. This is not about lifting me up. That was 2003. 2012, God was pushing me into full-time ministry. And it was hard for me to say yes because I had a retirement with Tulsa County. And I remember praying after I took the position up in Upton, Wyoming. I remember saying, God, how am I going to have any retirement? God says, I am a retirement. So when I, mom came out for the birth of our middle daughter, Natalie, it was wintertime. It was, Natalie was born December 2nd, 2012, and as they were driving, they, my mom goes, man, it's dark and barren out here. If you've ever been to Wyoming, it's a lot of sagebrush and hills. It's like high desert, and it's really dark at night. <laughs> never, never mind, you'd have to be there, but I've got something going through my mind. So in 2012, as she's driving through and she sees this, as they drive around, the name of our church was Lighthouse Assembly of God. And on that sign was a light that was shining to the mountains. There are some other things that have been prophetically spoken in my life that haven't happened yet. But can I tell you, if God speaks in your life, He will fulfill it. Wait on His promises. Don't try to help Him. It'll happen when it happens. Perseverance. Wait. That's the hardest part for us. I hate waiting. I'm speaking for myself. I hate waiting. Do you know how long I've waited to see the Colorado Buffaloes finally win a football game? <laughs> I was born and raised in Denver. I used to go to my, my, one of my old pastor. Uh, at the, the, the Boulder Vineyard was the chaplain for the Colorado Buffaloes. I used to go to, the, I was the Fellowship of Christ, Christian Athletes president in high school, and we used to go, and Bill McCartney would talk. That was my football team. And I waited a long time, and, you know, Deion Sanders is a born-again believer. But look at, look at OU. I mean, these are just games. That's just football. But look, that's, we got to wait. Be patient, right? How many of us get impatient for things? I know that's just football. I had to use something, some kind of illustration. Some of you guys have been waiting for a long time for God to fulfill things. If God says he's going to do it, he's going to what? Do it. So there's a call to perseverance. Let me, this last scripture, look at verse, verses 19 through 22 here in Hebrews 10. And then we're going to pray. Actually, verse 23. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Guys, did you know that we're in the holy place right now? By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And so we, since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Hallelujah. So hold on to Jesus. Don't let go of him. Every head bowed, every eye closed in here this morning. You cannot hold on unless you're born again. Unless you're saved this morning, you can't hold on. Jesus, as I mentioned earlier, talked more about hell than he did heaven because he does not want you to go there. It's a real place. And he loves you desperately. 
He wants you to be a part of his family, but right now if you don't have him in your heart, then you're separated from him. And if you were to take your last breath, you would be separated from him for all eternity. That's forever and ever and ever. Hell is bad enough, but to be separated from God's love and presence would be the worst thing in this life. The Bible says that we can be sure of our salvation. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I've never given my life to Jesus. Or maybe I have, but I'm not serving him. I've walked away. And you want to come to Jesus today. You want to know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You want to know that you're saved. You want to have a new beginning today. Would you slip up your hand? Are you here today and you'd say, Pastor, I want to get saved. Everybody's saved in here. Anybody. Don't put it aside. Don't put off what you can do today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I'm going to ask this. If you're saved... If you are saved and you know you're saved, raise your hand. All right, put your hand down. For those that didn't raise your hand, I'm going to ask one more time. I'm not here to pressure you because the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He won't force you. Do you want Jesus in your life? Do you want to go to heaven when you die? Do you want to be forgiven of your sin? It starts today. Would you raise your hand? Father, I pray for those this morning. I pray for those this morning, Jesus, that didn't raise their hand, that you would speak to them, that you'd give them divine appointments. This week, as they walk about, as they go to school, Father, I'm not doing this to try to put them on the spot or to force them. Lord, a forced decision is not a real decision. But God, this is life and death. This is a spiritual life and death. We're not promised tomorrow. I pray that you would remind them they can do it at any moment. Admit that they've sinned. Surrender their life to you. Believe that you died on the cross and rose again, and that you're the son of the living God. And you could save them right at that moment. I pray that you would begin to, to remind them and give them divine appointments that they need you in their life. Father, I pray for anybody here this morning that's been struggling this week. God, that needed to hear this this morning, that your promises are yes and amen. God, I pray that you would give them strength and encouragement. In fact, if, you were, if that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? You're going through something this morning. You needed to hear this message this morning. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else, thank you. I'm going to ask you now to take a step of faith as Dennis plays the piano. And I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and to come down here so I can pray with you this morning. Come on, you that raised your hand, I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I continue as they're making their way. I pray for the rest of the congregation this morning. Father, as we leave today, we're going in to our mission field. Give us divine appointments. Speak to our hearts. Lead people into our path that we can share the gospel with. In Jesus' name. Amen.